When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for a trio of epic proportion. No, it's not the Steelers preview. It's the hangover crew that helps clean up messes and making your weekend so much better when you realize that we're here to help you out from that weekend on a Monday. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. I am the podcast producer here at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. With me, as always, are my cohorts in crime, Shannon White and Tony Defio. Shannon, what is going on, my friend? Just been a beautiful Monday and, and just excited about uh, talking a little bit of Steelers. Definitely, always. Did you have a good weekend? Yes, it was really good. Did the Q&A last night for the first time with Maddie P, and, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, so... Which, this was the big question, which was going to have the more pronounced accent? Was it going to be Maddie Peverell or Shannon White? Because mm-hmm. you've got, because the Australian and the West Virginia accents are so, they're so close. Uh, actually, you know, I can't hear my own accent, so I'd have to give Maddie P the edge on me. There. <laughs> you, you know, a, a lot of people can't hear their yeah. accents. But I, and I tell you what, I grew up with a lot of people with Western PA accents, even in my own family, and I never had one for some reason. So it's really interesting. But I also lived in West Virginia nine years, so I understand. The man of the hour, Tony Defio, who is now four days past his 50th birthday. Happy birthday, my friend, Tony. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, It was a great weekend. I, uh, my favorite part was going to see my uh, niece in a musical twice. It was, uh, I always expected to be filled with so much pride. I must, this must be what it's like to be an adult. Maybe I'm growing up for it. It was great. It was fantastic. I mean, I can't believe all these kids and how, how good they were. Cause I, I mean, when I was that age, I mean, I would have been hiding in my bedroom uh, as opposed (laughs) to even trying to be up on that stage. So uh, all the credit in the world goes to those guys. And I'm so proud of my niece. So that was my, uh, Favorite part of the, of the of the weekend, and uh, by the way, uh, happy birthday to your daughter! Right, the fourteenth. Yes, my daughter's a teenager now. She's thirteen, yeah. <laughs> and I tell you what, I'm uh, I'm getting grayer by the minute. And I will tell hey, you bad. That. Hey, bad. Yes. Do you do you agree that Tony looks hungry? Yes. Yeah. Tony, Tony. Tony looks like he needs a Snicker bar. Yes, and Tony Defio is all is also threatened that if we don't talk about a certain former Steeler, that he's going on a hunger strike. And I think Shannon White and I, we want to make sure that he doesn't die. So I guess we will be talking about a former Steeler that found his way 
onto Twitter once again. And when that happens, it always it always leads to people saying, whoa, we got to talk about this. We're not going to overdo it, but we've got to talk about Antonio Brown. But it leads into exactly what we're going to be talking about today anyways. And it's, if you saw the title, it's big personalities in the Steelers locker room. So let's just get this off the bat because uh, I know you're going to put it in the live chat. Now to clarify, Antonio Brown came out on Twitter today and he said that he wants to go ahead and retire as a Steeler. Now, he 20 minutes later, he clarified, I don't want to play for the Steelers. I want to retire as a Steeler, which we've seen it happen before. We saw, didn't we see James Harrison retire as a Steeler? He was a Cincinnati Bengal, and this was the first retirement, and he retired as a Steeler. We've seen others sign that one-day contract and do that. One guy that I was always disappointed that they did this, one guy requested to do it, and they turned him down, and it was Mike Tomzak. Hmm. But the question here is, we know that Antonio Brown is not going to return to the Steelers likely we could talk about whether you would think it's a great idea if he would return we could talk about whether it would be a horrible idea if he returned but guess what he already clarified it he's not returning but the question here is should the Steelers go ahead and sign him for a one-day contract to let him retire as a Pittsburgh Steeler and I'm going to come up right off the bat and say yes I have no problem with it we see this all along, anywhere, especially in the WWE. You see it. You have these terrible divorces, and the next right. thing you know, they're back. But it's okay to get a divorce, but still recognize that you had good years there. So, Shannon, I'm going to ask you first. I don't really believe he's going to retire. I think it's he's not getting the interest that he wants at the moment. But he can still play. He was very effective for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, you know, besides his meltdown on the field and walking <laughs> up the field, I mean, he was very effective. He can still play, and I don't think that he should retire yet. Uh, you know, I know he won't be playing for the Steelers anymore, and he'll always be the biggest disappointment in my Steelers fandom because – I, I loved the guy, and I thought he was the greatest wide receiver in team history. <laughs> and him and Ben would have went down as one of the top three quarterback wide receiver combos that I've ever seen. And it it was it hurt. I mean, a lot of times guys leave and you're disappointed, but that old situation hurt a lot of fans, and I was one of them. So I don't really think he's going to retire. If I thought he was, I'd have no problem bringing him back on a one day deal. So he could retire as Steeler. But I don't think he's really going to retire. If he were to retire, Shannon White, mm -hmm. would you welcome him to retire as a Steeler? Because that's where he had that great career. Yes. I, I mean, you can't take that away. I mean, the, it ended terribly. But when, when everything was cooking, he was as good as you'll ever see. You know, he was going to go down being talked about in the terms of Jerry Rice. Mm -hmm. But but now he's going to be in that category with Terrell Owens, who was a great player, but he was a knucklehead, and and he caused a lot of distractions, so he never got the respect due him because you couldn't look past his antics, let's say. But yeah, if he if if he is actually going to retire, I'd have no problem bringing him back on a one day. Tony, if he wasn't going to retire, and he said he wanted to be a Steeler, would you entertain that if you were the general manager of this team? Uh, no, because of, we saw how his Buccaneers career ended and that's, that was maybe the craziest way, craziest thing he's done to, to date. I mean, to, to, to take your clothes off and, 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 and walk off the field and, you know, blowing kisses to everybody in New York, uh, you know, as a way to say, I, I, you're not giving me the ball enough. Basically, that's what he was saying. I'm not being used properly, which is what, what he was uh, doing, uh, in his latter years here. So, uh, I, I wouldn't bring him back in that regard. No. I mean, I, I think uh, you're trying to forge a, a new uh, era with a new quarterback and uh, lots of new young players, like one of the youngest rosters in the NFL now. And, and he's just not somebody who would be a good mentor. I mean, he's still 
not in that I want to be a mentor uh, place. And I don't think I'll ever get there. So no, I would I wouldn't bring her back to play. But as far as as a one day retirement, I mean, I like Shannon. I, I was so I mean, you remember we did the, 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 those uh, shows back then and how angry I was at him for a lot of stuff that he did and and tweeting about the, the stuff that he uh, liked, uh, those Ben Roethlisberger tweets that he liked, you know, you know, bring up Ben's past. It was just not a cool way for him to leave. But when he was here, I mean, like I said to you guys earlier, he might have been the greatest stealer I've ever personally witnessed play. I mean, the guy, you know, people talk about Terrell Owens and all these other uh, all-time greats, uh, but I mean, I don't think any of them were as clutch as he was. I mean, he was so clutch and he, and he, he did so many things to help them win games, which is why it was heartbreaking to see why the see the relationship between him and the team and the fans, especially the fans, I think, because I mean, I think everybody loved the guy. Everybody loved them up until everything started uh, going sideways. So, um, but I think, I think some time has to pass for, for, for the Steelers to, because you mentioned Mike Tom's like, I didn't realize that they turned him down. I don't know why that, that happened, but, I think for for uh, the Steelers and 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 to, to be able to to do that, I think some time has to pass, and I think he has to to maybe uh, be out of football for a couple of years, and then you know sort of retire like Santonio Holmes did a, a number of years ago. I think that's that that would be best. But and eventually, I like to see it happen. I think we're a very forgiving society, so <laughs> I think I think down down deep, we all want to. At least most of us want to want to forgive the guy because he, he brought so many special memories uh, for me and the rest of the fans. You know, there are so many things to look at. And Steelers Freak just said, I guess folks forget about his video with his ex and his daughter present. Just one example. Yeah, he was a mess. And I really think that there are a lot of factors in this. I think mental health is a is an issue here. And I've studied mental health in the past with uh in my job and I can see where Antonio Brown is never the same guy that he was before the perfect hit, but he wasn't perfect before the perfect hit either. Mm -hmm. All, you know, the bottom line of this whole thing is when he clarifies, and says, I don't want to play for the Steelers. That becomes this thing where we turn this around and say, Hey, this is all about a one day contract. And for a one day contract, absolutely give him an opportunity to come back and get some kind of redemption and i mean there's in a way if he does that he doesn't even come out and say it but he's saying you know i'm sorry and he's saying i'm sorry to the fans by by coming back to retire as a stealer i i understand that the one caveat here the one thing that i'm gonna say shannon kind of alluded to the whole thing he said he doesn't think that this guy wants to retire but the last thing that i want to say about this is I don't agree that he's when he clarifies that he doesn't want to play for the Steelers again. He's going to play for anybody that gives him the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And if the Steelers said, you know what, we'll give you an opportunity, he's going to be back and he's going to do everything he can to come back. And there's going to be some of us that's going to go ahead and let bygones be bygones and welcome back. There's going to be some of us that would not forget it. And it's your prerogative to not do that. But as long as Antonio Brown is out there, he is going to make sure that he is a part of the conversation. And why can't we have to talk about it? But we don't have to talk about it for long. But I'm glad we brought that up. I kind of think that he's not done, just like Shannon. I have no problem with anybody saying, hey, let's go ahead and give you a chance to retire as a Steeler where you had your glory. Tony brought up Santonio Holmes. He is a great example to this entire thing. And the reason he is a great example is because when he left, correct me if I'm wrong, they traded him for a fifth round pick right. and he was persona non grata. Mm -hmm. He was, yeah. they were done with him. Right. He's completely done. Now, what is Santonio Holmes? He is an ambassador for the Pittsburgh mm -hmm. Steelers. My one of my closest friends in the world, his aunt turned 99 years old in Tampa, or turned 100. I think she was 99 and turned 100 in Tampa. And they the Steelers took her week three. That was the game when you had Vance 
Vance McDonald do the famous <laughs> stiff arm on Monday Night Football, and they hosted they hosted uh, my friend's aunt in the press box at the game. They had Ike Taylor, Santonio Holmes, Jerome Bettis come and say hello to her. You know, now Santonio Holmes works as a an ambassador for the Steelers, and he's a Steeler for life. And they brought him back to let him retire as a Steeler, and I think that's great. I hope that we're we're a part of the society that says, okay, you know, this was all wrong the way it ended, and it was one-sided the way it ended, but I could shake your hand and wish you the best. And we right. can celebrate the good times and not the bad. We could talk about a lot of players that blew up things when they left. Mike Merriweather forced a trade. He stayed out for yeah. a year. Right. You know, there's so many different things. But, my gosh, San Antonio got kicked off of a plane. As a yeah. representative of a Pittsburgh Steeler, he was he was going through some bad things. It was just not it was just not what you think. Every situation is different. But right. yeah, he turned his back on the team. But guess what? James Harrison turned his back on the team. And yeah. now James Harrison is welcome back in the fold. J- James Harrison's exit was terrible. Look at uh look at all the bad blood. It was mostly one-sided between Terry Bradshaw and the Steelers for a number of years. And, and, and you know, they, they've mended defenses. I mean, he keeps saying things every now and then, but, mm. but uh, they've, they've, they've mended defenses. So, I mean, I mean, that's not nearly the same thing. He just had uh, issues with, you know, the, the fans and, and Chuck Noll. But, I mean, there was bl- bad blood, and, and, and they welcomed him back in 2002. So, I mean, it's, every story is different, but, but it doesn't mean you can't uh, mend fences eventually. As I transition... The one thing that I would not want to do is I would not want to bring in any division to a locker room. And the locker room is now changing right now. And the reason the locker room is changing is because one of the biggest personalities that the Steelers have ever seen is Ben Roethlisberger. And Ben Roethlisberger is no longer (laughs) in that locker room. I am not completely sure that there wasn't division in that locker room towards the end with Ben Roethlisberger being there because he was the 18-year veteran and he was the guy. He was the guy at the time that rolled the roost because he was he was the wily veteran. And right. I might be wrong, but I've heard some stories that it was Ben's way or the highway towards the end. Shannon, what are your thoughts about the locker room now that, that there's a reset to that locker room? Well, there had to be. Um, with 18-year veteran franchise quarterback, it's going to be Ben's way. And so I think that there was a little disconnect because of such a big age difference between him and, and a lot of the other uh, players coming in that he could almost have been their father, <laughs> you know, based on his age. And and he might have treated them a little bit like children at times, which you want to treat all – of your teammates like men because they are, but um, you know, I'm sure he looked at them like young men, like almost like children. So I think there was a little disconnect there, which is over now. Now you're having two younger quarterbacks that it's almost like with Pickens with Pickens. It's like he, he transferred from a local school, a smaller division school to the larger university. And now he's, you know, he's got an opportunity on such a young offense, especially that if Harris doesn't, I think Harris will assume the mantle of leader this year, but it wouldn't shock me at all. If Pickett doesn't assume that mantle quickly, because he's relatively near the same age as most of his teammates. So that's the difference in the, this past year with Roethlisberger and his place in still history face of the franchise versus the two younger quarterbacks now. So hopefully there is, I've said all along that I think they're trying to build a younger roster that they can all grow together and and develop chemistry. And that is more possible now with these two younger quarterbacks. Tony Defio, when you have a team as big as any national football league team, and especially 90 players going into camp and you've got 53 on the roster and don't forget about the fact 
that you have another 10 to 12 on a practice squad. Mm-hmm. That's 65 players that need lead. Do you need equal parts offense and defense as far as a leader goes in that locker room? Well, I think you always need the quarterback to be to, to be a, a, a leader, you know, and, and what I like about Pickett, he, he seems to have those kind of traits where he's willing to, to lead and he has, he has that, that, that charisma that, you know, that he could take, he could, I say take over a locker room, but he could, he could, he, he has no problem uh, standing up and, and being a leader. Obviously he has to prove it on the field before he could, before any of that can happen. But, but uh, you always want the quarterback to, to, to assume a leadership role. Um, they used to talk about Joe Namath back in the day. He, he, he was, he didn't really, he wasn't quite ready to be a leader early on. And so they made him a team captain to, to try to give him some responsibility and it worked. But I think Kenny Pickett, somebody who doesn't, he's not going to need that. I mean, it's just from an outward view. Uh, as far as offense and defense, I think, I think you do. I mean, uh, uh, Cam Hayward is certainly uh, the big dog in that locker room. From what I've heard, he's been that way. It's been that way for a while. So uh, he has that, he has that uh, role right now. Um, but obviously others are going to have to take over for him. I mean, you remember back in the day, you know, guys like Greg Lloyd, they were they had Joey Porter, James, James Ferrier. They, they were great uh, leaders. And, and plus you had leaders on offense like Heinz Ward. So, uh, and Jerome Bettis was, was a great leader. So you need, you definitely need that on both sides of the ball. So I think um, guys like uh, uh, TJ Watt um, and, and, and some of these uh, younger guys like Pickett and, and, and they're, they're going <laughs> to, Najee Harris is a great example of somebody who could be, who could be a leader. He's such a great, he seems like such a great guy and willing to, to, uh, you know, uh, put on a, 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 you know, a, he's good. He's just great in the community. And, and he seems like somebody who you heard stories in Alabama, how, how he unified the team during a difficult time. So uh, I think there's, there's potential there to have uh, new leaders on both sides of the ball. If you're looking at leadership here, it, there it was hard to figure out who the leader was besides Ben Roethlisberger the last couple of years. And a lot of people felt like Ben Roethlisberger did not want to be an open leader. You know, he would say the right things, but there's some things that uh, you weren't sure whether he embraced that role. And Mm -hmm. there, there's some players that just don't embrace that role. It's all a part of their personality. When you look at the defensive side of the ball, Cam Hayward seems like the dad as far (laughs) as players go. He seems like the guy that pulls everything together. TJ Watt, to me, I still have, I don't know what his leadership is about. Tony, does TJ impress you as a leader? Um, Not at the moment. I mean, you see him on the field when, when he's doing the, uh, he's trying to get everybody riled up before a game. It's like, wow, that's a different kind of side of his personality. But it was the same way when James Ferrier before Joey Porter left, I didn't, I didn't consider James Ferrier to be that kind of a demonstrative leader. But when James, Fer- uh, when uh, Joey Porter left, uh, James Ferrier filled that role quite nicely. And you hear something like you go back and watch some of those 07, 08 teams, like the, the mic'd up moments with, with Ferrier. And he, he really uh, became a leader for that, for that team. So now, I think in a lot of cases, uh, it, it takes guys a while to step up and, you know, and, and be that guy. Because like you said, there's so many different personalities in that locker room and all the way down to the practice squad that, you know, so uh, obviously he has a resume to be a leader as far as his, his, his play on the field. So it's just a matter of, of uh, whether he's willing to, to, to uh, step up and be that guy. So um, I haven't seen it quite yet, but doesn't mean it's not there. All right, so we have a comment here. Edward says TJ's play is his leadership, and that's very true. And you have you have players that are going to lead on the field, and you have players that are going to need to lead in the locker room. Since this is a show about the locker room, that's what we're talking about today. Shannon, let's talk about that locker room, and let's talk about not the 18-year veteran that just retired in Ben Roethlisberger, but let's talk about the rookie Ben Roethlisberger. When Ben Roethlisberger came in, and you and I had a conversation about this on the phone earlier, he had a lot of people to guide him. Do the Steelers have that kind of guide for a Kenny Pickett? And if so, who is it? Oh, definitely not. They, um, you know, like we talked about, when Ben came in, they were so many leaders on that offense, uh, Bettis and 
and uh, Fanica. Uh, they had they was guys that uh, on and on the defensive side of the ball too. So he was able to come in and just play and and lead that way. As far as he didn't have to lead, but he was uh, could be um, free spirited and and you know make those crazy extend the plays, make the big plays you know, take that risk, you know, to go for the big play because he knew his defense was there. I think that was right there when they had some of the lowest scoring defenses uh, in NFL history. So if, as long as you didn't put them in a bad position, you know, th- they're going to be able to, you know, pull you out of the fire if you uh, throw a pick. But that's one of the reasons why he was able to do what he did. But this team does not have the the age and the experience that that team had. So, that's why a guy like Harris or Pickens, Pickett uh, could definitely assume that mantle, that leadership mantle. And, you know, you look at the the Bengals last year. You know, Burrow was the leader on that offense in his second year. And, you know, they were a younger team. And they quickly developed. He developed that chemistry with Chase and the receivers. and um, But I thought that Burrow was the leader, and he assumed that mantle. So if you're good enough, you can you can do that quickly. And so Pickett or Trubisky, um, you know, depending on how this thing pans out, this quarterback competition, uh, they could easily assume that mantle <clears throat> along with a guy like Harris. So, Tony Defio, let's talk about what Shannon just said. Now, with that, we've got Mitch Trubisky, who is going to fight for a starting role. We there's a lot of people that assume that it's going to be Mitch first and then Kenny Pickett second, even in 2021. Excuse me, 2022. Hope mm-hmm. not 2021 because neither mm-hmm. of them were here, and then I've got a really bad time machine. So, <laughs> my question to you is even if Kenny Pickett assumes the role of starting quarterback. Does that diminish Mitch Trubisky, who seems to be right now anointed as the early leader for this team in 2022? You mean as far as, far as a, a team leader? Yes. Um, I, I think it might because, because uh, like you said, he's still trying to he's still trying to reestablish his career. So if he comes in and and uh, doesn't win the job, or or you know, that might diminish him. Uh, like back when when Ben started. Uh, he had Charlie Batch and Charlie Batch, by the time he came to Pittsburgh, he knew his role and he was a backup. And he's one of the people from what I understand who went to Ben, you know, like around 08, 09 and said, look, you got to be a better teammate. You got to be a better leader. And and Ben listened to him. Um, so I, I don't know if Trubisky would have that kind of a um, presence uh, coming in uh, his first year here and still being relatively young himself. And then not winning the job. I don't know if he would have that kind of a presence. Shannon, what are your thoughts on that? I'm sorry, I didn't catch it. Shannon, your thoughts on Mitch Trubisky mm-hmm. being a leader, regardless of whether he is QB1 or QB2? Well, he has more experience uh, than, than Pickett. And he can be... There's different kinds and different types of leadership. He could be somebody who's just there for the younger players to, or for Pickett to lean on. You know, it's one thing being offering to be there, kind of a mentor for Pickett, and that's great. But, you know, having a guy there every day, you know, Trubisky could almost be like Dobbs was for being these last couple of years. That extra set of eyes over there on the sidelines and, and, you know, when he come off the field and saying, well, you missed this or this was there. And um, Trubisky is going to have value regardless if he's the starter or the backup. But I'm like you. I think that he has to win the starting position if he's going to be the true leader of that offense. If he ends up being the, the second string guy, let's say, um, I, I expect it to be Harris this first year, uh, you know, this upcoming year. So Tony mentioned Charlie Batch earlier, and, you know, there's no question in my mind that Charlie Batch was a leader on that team for many a year, 
as a backup. I think he was very well respected. Mm -hmm. Tony said he knew what his role was and knowing what your role is, is very important. You know, it is not out of the realm of possibility that, that Mitch could end up being a long-term backup to a guy like Kenny Pickett, you know, of course, not under the same pay structure, but he might realize that he, he loves the town he might realize that he loves the culture and wants to stick around and win a ring as a backup. So, you know, I mean, that is probably, you know, a little far-fetched, but all I'm saying is that there's the possibility, but I really feel that the team needs a leader at the start of training camp. And would you agree that right now it's got to be Mitch Trubisky to start? Because there's a complete reboot. There's a complete reset. Ben Roethlisberger's gone. Somebody has to assume the mantle. Tony? I think that would be the, the ideal situation is for him to come in and, and be the starter and be really good as a starter. Good enough to maybe next year he has people um, wanting to him to play for them. And you need to allow Pickett to, to sit. I hate to say sit and learn. People always say that. But that to take a year to... Um, to uh, grow comfortable as a professional and, and, and at the most important position in all of sports. I think that would be ideal. Uh, I, 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 ho- I hope that happens, but Hey, if Kenny Pickett comes in and his head and shoulders above everybody else, I mean, I think that would be a gift too. And if that happens, Shannon, and if he's playing well, right from the start, we're talking Kenny Pickett. Does that mean that, like Joe Burrow, who you mentioned earlier, that he will be followed as a leader. He seems like he has strong leadership capabilities. He seems like a natural leader. They, When they interviewed him this past weekend at rookie camp, he says the right things. He seems like the moment's not too big for him. He's very cool under pressure. Um, that's something that, you know, they call what Burrow Joe cool. I think mm-hmm. that he reminds me, Pickett reminds me of Burrow a lot in that regard. Now what, how, what he'll look like on the field remains to be seen, but he has a personality that I think people will follow him. I think that they, they will look to him as a leader, uh, even in, in the pre- professional game, which they, you know, he was a strong leader at, at college, but um, he's more of a natural leader than Ben was. Ben was a different kind of leader. As we said, there's a different type, but Ben was like so competitive and he was so focused on his own game. Not that he didn't want to win because that's what he was wanted, was competing for, but he wasn't as open to offer suggestions and advice and embrace guys. Even when he got older, of course, at first he was on a veteran laden team, but I think Pickett, shows the leadership and in that caliber of character already that I think he could assume that mantle quickly. So let's transition here to what we were talking about earlier when we were talking about big personalities and we were talking about, we were talking about what Antonio Brown did in that locker room. And it was in a negative way, because if you get, Ryan Clark mad, that's one thing. If you get Troy <laughs> Palomalu mad, that means you're dividing a locker room. Right. And so big personalities have the ability to do one of two things. Bring everybody together or tear everybody apart. And we saw what happened with AB84. We saw that happen where things fell apart. Now, you've got some big personalities getting ready to walk in that room and one of those is a huge personality. It's a rookie, and we're always ta- we're already talking about. Oh my gosh, what's this guy going to do in the locker room? And it's George Pickens, the number two pick out of Georgia. The reason he's already everybody there's some people scared of this guy, of what he can do, just because of the way he watched himself get drafted and it became an <laughs> internet sensation, right? he showed up wearing that same hoodie, but he was all smiles. And a lot of people think, Oh my gosh, this guy's going to be a diva. We don't know that yet about George Pickens, but it's obvious to me 
that he's a big personality. And don't get too scared about a big personality in that locker room because, once again, you have the ability to bring everybody around you together. And you see that in a guy like George Pickens, Tony. I think eventually. I mean, you see you see the tenacity on the field. I mean, obviously, uh, he took it a little bit too far with that one fight against uh, Georgia Tech and you know, squirting the uh, water bottle. So he's definitely a, and he was a freshman. Let me throw that in. Yeah. And and he's 21 years old. I mean, that's the, that's the uh, paradox when when you're, you're trying to uh, bring young guys in, uh, you gotta, you have to put up a little bit of immaturity early on, but you know, if they can uh, harness that immature or that, that's, you know, what makes them um, uh, tenacious, uh, then you, you can have a, Really good uh, leaders. I mean, look at look at uh, Heinz Ward. I mean, look at how uh, tenacious he was. But he was also eventually uh, telling people like Plexico Burris, "Hey, you better start reading your playbook. You, you know, you got to you got to bury your head in the playbook if you want to become a really good NFL receiver." So he came in as a as a uh, totally uh, young and and and, and enthusiastic uh, rookie. And within a few years, he was he was a leader on that team. So. Uh, you know, I, I'm willing to give Pickens, you know, the stuff like how we watch the draft. That I mean, we all know how, how kids are, you know? So, I mean, whether they're football players or, or, or not, I mean, they're, they're going to act like kids, uh, you know, he might look back on that someday and say, what, what was I thinking? What an idiot, but it's all good fun. I mean, it's, 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 it's what he, what he brings to the team, um, as far as work ethic and, and what he's willing to do. And he showed me a lot. By, by how quickly he came came back from that torn ACL to play and be really a minor con- contributor to that national championship team. That had to be hard to come back and, and only catch five passes for 107 yards or whatever it was. So that to <laughs> me, that showed, that showed me a lot. Uh, when, 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 uh, after, after you make such a sacrifice and, and rehab and, and you come back and you know, you're not really a major contributor, but he was still mm-hmm. part of that team. So that to me, I think that that bodes well for, for the kind of professional he can be. And you know what? This is something that Shannon and I talked about earlier too, when we uh, we had a phone conversation earlier on. Tony, I'm, we didn't not include you. It was just a, we were just talking about some other things. But one thing I mentioned to Shannon was this: everybody's overlooking the fact that who was the first guy to sign on the dotted line before minicamp. George Pickens. George Pickens. Shannon, when you saw that, what was your reaction? Maybe it's not fair to the guys that, you know, take a little while with them and their agents to get signed. But anytime I see a guy come in like that and and sign that quickly, to me, they just want to get to business. They want to get down. They want to get that behind them so they can focus on the playbook, focus on learning the – the team and the, the makeup of the team and uh, of the uh, city even, and, and, and get, get down to business and they want to get that behind them. Pickens. I don't know if y'all seen, they took the uh, picture at the rookie camp and they, uh, he was like laid back in a prone position and just chilling when they're making the picture. I mean, he, he, he is a guy who walks to the beat of his own drummer and as Tony said, you know, you look at his aggressiveness and, and a lot of that, and he'll remind you of a Heinz Ward. You look at his quirkiness, and he'll remind you of a Harris. Harris is not your typical rookie last year. Uh, he's not your typical professional running back. He He's very, um, he's very thoughtful. He's very, because of what he went through, I believe, growing up and homeless and all a person who thinks about the community and wants to be involved in the community. He acts much older than his age. So because the guy's quirkier is a little bit different, doesn't mean they're going to be a problem. It just means that a lot of times they can be very entertaining. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and I, I've said before, and the last thing I'll say about Pickens is I want, I don't want to have to tell a guy to be aggressive. I'd rather tell him, Hey, calm down a little <laughs> bit than I would have to kick him in the rear end to try to get him motivated. And one thing about Pickens, he goes all out when he's out there. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about him, and, and I don't see any problem with him being a little different. 
Absolutely. And I think if we look back at some of the personalities in that locker room, let's talk about some of those. And big personalities that I don't think divided locker rooms. Let me bring up the first one, and I'll give you both a chance to a gloss on these guys. Joey Porter. <laughs> what kind of leader is Joey Porter, Shannon? Oh, he's one of my faves. You know, I, everybody knows I love linebackers. And Porter was was just fiery. He'd get in your face. He'd fight Ray Lewis outside in the parking lot next to the, the bus. He, you know, he was waiting on him. Um, he'd fight Willie Green in Cleveland <laughs> before the game and get there. But he stood up for his team. He stood up for his defense. He was all about Steeler culture. And, hey, I love those kind of guys. So, yeah, I was a huge fan. And, and hey, if we can find us another Porter, sign me up. Tony, Joey Porter as a leader, I think Shannon said it all. Let's talk about another guy who did a lot of talking on the field. But as a leader, who was James Harrison? Well, I mean, here's somebody who came from, uh, he came from, uh, he was an undrafted free agent. He got cut several times and, and, he, and he turned himself into defensive player of the year. Uh, greatest uh, sack artist in team history. So, I mean, he wasn't, I don't think he was a demonstrative, everybody follow me kind of a leader, but he was a leader in, in, in how he prepared and, and, and how he played the game, which was at 150% every, every snap. So that's the kind of leader he was. So you have two big personalities, but one is out there in your face. The other one is silent and brooding. But you knew one thing about both of those linebackers that we're talking about, Joey and James, they had their players' backs and their right. team's backs and the backs of the Steel City. Is that correct? Absolutely. I mean, uh, Joey Porter is the one who arranged for all of his, all the players to wear Dick LeBeau's uh, Detroit Lions jersey uh, before the uh, before Super Bowl Forty, and he's the one who told mm -hmm. the bus to go mm -hmm. out uh, by by himself uh, in Super Bowl Forty and before the rest of the team. That's a leader. That's somebody who uh, loves being a Pittsburgh Steeler. No, knows what it means to be a Pittsburgh Steeler and somebody who's going to uh, have everybody uh, on the same page. So, Shannon, let's go back on that, what Tony just said. What he did not, he mentioned Dick LeBlanc's jersey, but another jersey that they wore was Jerome Bettis's Notre Dame number six. And oh, Joey sorry, Porter was. Up. Yeah, no, you didn't screw it up because they wore Cowers Brown's jersey as well. Yeah. But yeah. before the Browns game on Christmas Eve that year, and that's, that's the game where James Harrison body slammed a fan. <laughs> but there's one man that would never in his life wear that jersey, a Notre Dame jersey. A USC guy is not going to wear a Notre Dame jersey. <laughs> but did Troy Polamalu wear that jersey? Mm -hmm. Yes, he did. And it was because of the leadership of Joey Porter. It was because of the leadership yeah. of Jerome Bettis. Mm -hmm. So that I think that go ahead, Shannon. Oh, I, I think that that was something that I don't know if it's cause of, you know, where we're at now in the salary cap era, but you don't see that stuff as much as you used to. And guys like Ryan Clark and Joey Porter and Bettis and, and Troy, you know, they're like, we want to, we want to bring team unity together and, 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 you know, camaraderie and they would wear those jerseys and they would do those things. I remember the 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 cornerbacks, the secondary guys gathering uh, in the game at times and, and and huddling up and saying a team prayer together and stuff. And you know there was a closeness there, and it's harder to have that now. Is free and more and more uh, relevant, and and you know guys are not together as long, so they don't develop that. But that's something I think that I'd like to see the Steelers get back to. And I'd like to see that vocal leader. Hayward is the leader, and he's great. But they don't have that type of Joey Porter, Greg Lloyd, Jack Lambert. I mean, the, when you think about it, not only did the Stewarts have Green, <laughs> but they had Jack Lambert. And if you want to know what kind of leader you were, Ferris showed that was that was huge in that game because nobody was the Stewarts wasn't doormats anymore. And nobody was going to push them around. 
And that's something that this young star team is going to have to find. All right. Final question here before we wrap everything up. Are the Steelers, and this is going to be controversial, <laughs> but are the Steelers a better locker room now that Ben Roethlisberger has retired? Tony, I'll start with you. Well, I think as far as there isn't that, that I mean, reverent uh, player that, 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 you know, is these kids, were, these guys were watching when they were kids in that locker room anymore. I mean, it's, they're all essentially coming up at the same time now. So I think in that regard, it could be a better locker room and it could, it could uh, pave the way, uh, clear the air and, and, and allow for people to rise up and, and become leaders and become more comfortable. So I think from that regard, in that regard, it might be, it might be a, a more uh, comfortable and a locker room for those guys. Shannon White, what kind of locker room is it going to be in 2022 based on what Tony just said in the question? I agree with Tony. I, I don't know if I will use the word better because we've talked about it's going to be quite different. But I think that the camaraderie uh, and almost like a college feel, I think because of the youth and because Ben is no longer there, I think they can have that. And where everybody feels more heard and more equal footing, you know, without the legend in the room, so to speak. And so I can see it's going to be very different, but I think there's a ton of potential there for that to, for them to develop that close chemistry that I was talking about earlier and, and have that this year. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. Well, I'm really excited as well to see what happens in this locker room whether it be Mitch Trubisky, Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, Najee Harris on the offensive side of the ball, whether you see more out of a Minka Fitzpatrick and a TJ Watt to stand beside Cam Hayward and lead this team. I'm really excited to see. I see a lot of com camaraderie. I'm not saying that the team needs total kumbaya because mm -hmm. there were some fights back hmm. in the uh, Joe Green Jack Lambert days where, I mean, there were guys that put people into place. And I know you need that too as well. But I really like what I'm seeing. And leadership comes and is emulated by the guys up top. And as a leader, you might hey, not bro. love his coach. Yes. They want you to talk about them fights and, and different things like that. That's just family. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody can make you matter than family. And your family, yep. Yeah. And when you're around somebody that much, so I think a lot of times they had real, you know, they cared about each other. So naturally there was going to be a few dust-ups. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you here. You know, you think Jeff, Dave, and I here at BTSC behind the scenes haven't had, we haven't had knockdown, drag out arguments, but we've had discussions where we weren't on the same page and we weren't happy with what we were hearing, but it made us stronger because we are like family here. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what you see in something like the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I'm excited to see what we're going to see going forward and who's going to emerge. So with that being said, we're going to get on out of here. Shannon White, what do you have coming up this week? It could be editorial or it could be on the podcast side. I'm working on an article out of what we was talking about with Ben and AB and their chemistry about who could be that next guy to let's say connect with Trubisky or Pickett and form our next great quarterback wide receiver combo because you want that number one connection you know all the the top teams and contenders have that and who would possibly be for the Steelers moving forward so that's the uh, focus of my next article Tony you're on the other side of 50 now what's <laughs> changing with you this week my friend what's changing well I'm, I'm trying to eat better uh, I'll try to, I'll try to incorporate, incorporate that into a Steelers article somehow. I, I've been known to do that in the past. So, uh, I'm trying to eat better, uh, or, or I guess eat it all. Okay. Uh, what's, what's coming up on the podcast or editorial side for you? Oh, I thought you were asking me about me. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm writing an article. I have an article coming out about, uh, how I'm so happy that there's so many one o'clock games, uh, next year. Cause that's my favorite, um, a start time for a game. And I, I'm just glad that they have 11 one o'clock games. To me, it's, 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 the, it's the best time to watch football. So that's, that's that. I'm going to do some stuff on, um, on uh, some more stuff on, on mock drafts, believe it or not. And uh, 
Mike Tomlin. Uh, those are the kind of articles I, I have in my uh, cranium right now. All right. As for me, you'll hear me on the preview. You will also uh, hear me on Here We Go. And you could also check out Bad Language that just dropped today at noon. So please check that all out. As for Shannon White, he'll have the curtain call this week. Tony, the six-pack coming up on Friday night. So make sure you check out these guys and everybody here at BTSC for all of your Pittsburgh Steeler needs. Coming up after this show drops tomorrow morning, Jeffrey Benedict. And from the cutting room floor at noon, you're going to have Andrew Wilbar and Jeremy Betts on the draft fix. We might be transitioning into the fix or the fancy football fix soon, <laughs> but they're always going to be fixing to give you the best Pittsburgh Steeler news. And then don't forget tomorrow as well, the Scobro show with Rich and Dave Schofield. So for Shannon White, for Tony Defio, who is, by the way, he might be 50, but he's the youngest of the three. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. You can call me bad. And we've got three things that we need you to do for us. Tony, give us the one. Be safe. Shannon, give me a two. Be true to yourself. And always be behind the steel curtain. And just when you think you've got all the answers, Tony Defio. We keep changing the questions. Shannon White. Woo! All right. You hear that? That means it's time to go. Have a great week, Steeler Nation. Bad. Tony, Shannon, we love you. We'll talk to you next week on The Hangover from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Time to stop and check around.